Morning. How are you? Good. If you're not good, still in a good place. All right. So have you ever been in a situation where uh, something was just out of reach? Um, so I, I remember this very well because it ha- I promise you it happened more than once. When our kids were little, we all had to carry around everything, right? You had to have a diaper bag and everything. And one of the things once they got out of the bottle stage was sippy cups. And I, I still remember because I'm, it, it, it was multiple times where I set the sippy cup on, t- on the roof of my car to get the kid into the car seat, right? And that's a process. And you know, after a while you get pretty good at it, right? You're like, it's like you're timing yourself almost. And, um, but it never failed every so often that cup would somehow, because I'm rocking the car to get them in the seat or something, would fall off of my car and roll exactly under my car to the middle of my car. You ever had that happen? Or something just rolls into the middle underneath your car and, and like, you're like, oh, there's no way I'm getting that without getting on the ground, right? And you're like reaching for it. And um, so if you've ever been in a situation like that, you know what I'm talking about. The other times that, that I kind of uh, see this happen a lot is, is in like grocery stores or Walmart or Target. And I'm walking down the aisle and there's somebody else in the aisle, typically it's a woman, but not always, who is somewhat height challenged. And I can tell by the look in their face that they want something that's up there, like on the top shelf. And I actually love it when they turn and say, hey, can you get that for me? And I just, I'm like, sure. And I go over, you know, and grab that thing from the top shelf and give it to them. Um, and then I always do the same dad joke because they say thank you and I say, I'm putting that on my resume. I can do dad jokes because guess what? I'm a dad, so it works. And they always give the obligatory laugh and we move on. But, but you know what it's like in life when something is just out of reach. Maybe it's something more serious than just a sippy cup or you know, the, the you know, cream of corn I don't know whoever wants that, but anyway, it could be on the top shelf. And, and you're in this place where it's like, ah, my arm can't stretch any further. My, my finances can't stretch any further. My patience can't stretch any further, whatever it is. And you get into this place where it just seems like it's out of reach. So I wanna, this, I wanna talk about something kind of related to that, but just slightly different because there's other times when I'm in a store and I can see someone reaching for something that is out of reach, but they don't ask for help. And I so much want to come over and say, hey, can I get that for you? And I have sometimes, but I'm also always terrified that they're going to say no, just they're going to like reach into their inner toddler and say, no, I'll do it myself, Right? And I know that they can't reach it and I know they need help, but I'm afraid that they're not gonna accept help from me. Have you ever been there with just maybe somebody in your life? Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor where you know they need help. Like if you ever come by my house when I'm trying to get leaves out of the gutters, it's obvious that I need help. 
when you see me, you know, doing any kind of mechanical work, um, just, you don't even have to ask. Just crawl under there and take over. I'm fine with that. Because I don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes we have people in our lives like that. Sometimes we're the ones who are reaching for something that we just can't reach. And other times we see someone that we care about and they're going through it. They're struggling, they're hurting, they're reaching, but it's just not working. And I think so, a lot of us have been in that place where it's like we, we want to help. And one of the things that we, that we love about Celebrate Recovery is God's actually inviting us into that. He's saying, come be a part of my rescue team. Come, I want you to be part of seeing people set free, seeing people find healing, seeing people find life and freedom. And so it's this privilege that we get to be a part of. But sometimes we feel afraid or we're like, I, you know, maybe we've tried multiple things and they just haven't worked. And that person is still kind of in that same stuck place. If you ever want to see what this looks like, go to YouTube and search uh, wolf being released. Because you'll see video of a wolf that is caught in a trap. He can't get free on its own. So somebody comes along and is there to help the wolf. But what's the wolf trying to do? They're trying to bite the person who's trying to help them. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've had somebody in your life that you were trying to set free. You were trying to help them find that release in their life to freedom and to find healing. But you've been met with resistance. In Celebrate Recovery, we don't just talk about addictions in terms of drugs and alcohol. We talk about every kind of hurt, habit, and hang up that we go through. And that could be relationships, it could be anger, it could be codependency, it could be pornography, it could be all sorts of things. Because all of these things become just like what that wolf is trapped in, it becomes that snare in our life that starts to prevent us from finding freedom. Freedom is just out of reach. So if you find somebody who's, who's stuck or you know somebody who's stuck in the hurts and habits and hangups, um, these are the kind of things that, that we want to try to help somebody and God has called us to. Um, we're not meant to just, you know, drive on by. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan where it's like, oh, well, maybe that's somebody else's problem. God's actually calling us to sometimes get into the mess of it and try to help someone. In the Bible, we see this guy named Paul, who we don't usually think of as being stuck, but look at where he was prior to Jesus coming into his life. He was stuck and empty in the snare of empty religion and legalism and hatred and strife. I mean, he's going out to persecute these people because they believe in Christ. Just listen to what he says after he was set free. This is what he writes in Galatians 6. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, and I accidentally changed the page, just a second, that was a pause for effect. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. So let's look at these verses together and let's see what we can learn as a, as a family together today. Um, so first, Paul 
We need to know and recognize that Paul's not trying to go into this alone. He says, you who are godly, and that you there is, is plural. He's saying basically all of you who are godly, all of you who belong to God, all of you who belong to God, come and be a part of someone, helping someone find recovery from sin. Help get this person onto the right path. Be careful not to fall. He says, you know what? There needs to be more than just, just you. I don't care if it's you who need recovery or you who want to help somebody find recovery. You can't do it alone. I'll say that again. This is not something we can do by ourselves. If, because listen, don't you think that if, if somebody could have found recovery and found healing on their own, don't you think they would have already done it? And if you saw a loved one who was stuck and you, you, you wanted to get them free, what, don't you think you would have already done it by yourself? We, we need others around us. This is how God has designed his church. So the first thing we can learn is that we need to find godly people who can help. And this is the first of five essential steps I want to give you today um, that we can actually say as statements, as commitments today and say, I, I will do these things. So this is the first one. I will, number one, build a team. And this doesn't have to be this giant group of 15, 25 people. This could be two. <laughs> but not doing it alone is so essential. In CR, we talk about being our forever family that we, we walk this journey together with. Think about how many great things are accomplished by teams. This year, some of you are dreaming, and hopefully it will be more than a dream, that the 49ers will go to the Super Bowl, right? You know, for others, that dream has already drifted away. But for some, that dream's still alive. And there's a part of you that says, man, I hope they can do it. But guess what? Purdy can't do it by himself. The quarterback can't do it by himself. The running back can't do it by himself. The receivers can't do it by themselves. The line can't do it by themselves. It takes an entire team working together to accomplish that victory. Or look at the building of a skyscraper. Even the building, this is not a skyscraper, but even building this building. One person didn't do it, although I'm sure Pastor Brett sometimes feels like it was him by himself. No, 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 he doesn't. But it took a whole team of people, right, Brett? It took a whole team of people working together, volunteers, hire people. Not one person could do it by themselves. Or how about climbing Mount Everest? It's actually illegal to try to climb Mount, climb Mount Everest by yourself. You're required by law to hire at least one Sherpa, one guide. But usually it takes far more than that. Great things are accomplished when teams are built, when we can rely on each other and support each other. When one person feels weaker and another person feels stronger and they can make up for each other's lack. And it's gonna take a team of people, like I said, even if it's two or three, to help guide someone back to the right path, to find healing, to find victory over addictions and build healthy and happy marriages and relationships and climb out of denial and despair and reach life and freedom. So well, who goes on these teams? Well, just look around you. Find some people who love God. Maybe one person can pray. Maybe one person can give a, give a ride to CR or to AA or something, some kind of support group. Maybe somebody can 
can just be that person who can be called, hey, you can call me night or day at any time. But to have those resources in your life is so essential for being able to truly find recovery. It's gonna take a, a village. Remember, God can help identify who could be part of that too. So, so pray even about that. Where could you find people who are positive influences? You know anybody who, who lifts people up? Somebody in your life who lifts you up? Maybe they could be part of that team. We gotta start by enlisting friends and building a family. Next, Paul describes the correct attitude or the right heart that we should have going into this. And it's this heart of, of gentleness and humility. He says that we should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And let's face it, like we're all human, right? So sometimes this is not easy. Sometimes, you know, when the person is kind of biting back <laughs> or when challenges or when somebody stumbles again or when we've helped for the third time, sometimes it can be frustrating. So how can we continue to stay humble in that not start to think we're better than? How can we start to keep ourselves being gentle and not giving up? When Colossians, Paul uses uh, some pictures uh, in these words to kind of show us what that looks like. He says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were his enemies, once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now, yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are as holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Do you know that that's true about you? If you have accepted, received, if you believe in Jesus Christ and received his forgiveness, this is actually where you stand today. Reconciled to him, before him, without one fault. You could turn to the person next to you and say, you're faultless. Yeah. But you haven't heard that a lot in your lifetime, right? When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, faultless. <laughs> but remember what we've been rescued from. If you ever seen the movie Captain Phillips, here's this depiction of this guy who was captured. He was held. He was, I mean, the future was looking bleak. And then the forces came in and rescued him from that thing out, spoiler alert, but it's been out for a while. So anyway, he gets rescued and you just see it on his face like he can't even believe it. Guys, we've been rescued from hell. <laughs> that should change the way we treat each other. That should change the way even we act towards those who are a little bit harder to love sometimes. We know that shaming won't work and condemning doesn't work and being judgmental doesn't help anybody. So when we're trying to help, we've got to come with gentleness and humility. So this is number two, I will be gentle and stay humble. I will be gentle and stay humble. 
I remember as a youth pastor in Wyoming, I, we were driving out seeing some of the students and we came to this one farm and there was a group of people over in the side and we found out they were trying to rescue a calf that had gotten stuck in the mud. It was stuck, almost half of his body was stuck in this mud. And you know what I saw is I saw them use a lot of strength, but also a lot of gentleness because they couldn't just go tie a rope around the calf's neck, tie the other end to a truck and hit the gas. You know, then you would have had two parts of a calf, but um, we didn't want that. So, so they were trying to rescue it. So it was this, but you couldn't just depend on the calf to get out on its own because it had already been trying for a long time and it was exhausted to the point where it was almost ready to go into shock. So gently but firmly, they coaxed this calf out of the muddy clay and it was set free, but they had to be gentle in the way that they rescued. Some of the people that are in our lives might be stuck just like that calf, and we can't just expect them to climb out on their own, and we can't just jerk them out, you know, say, get, get it together, you know, why did, that, that's another thing I didn't see them do with the calf. They didn't come over and go, it's your fault, you're there. Why didn't you make different choices? Because at that point, it's already stuck. Now, if there had been a chance ahead of time to try to guide the calf somewhere else, great. But at this point, it was already stuck. So how do you help someone who's stuck get free? There needs to be gentleness. The apostle Peter wrote this about God's rescue. He said, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation so sometimes we do go those through those tough tough times sometimes we are in that place where we're stuck when we look back at Galatians passage for a minute it says dear brothers and sisters if another believer is overcome by some sin you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path so there's this this gentleness and yet strength because they've wandered from the right path and they've gotten stuck and they can't reach freedom on their own. So we need to commit to the next step and that's this, number three, I will lead the way. I will lead the way. How far do we lead? Does he say, pick them up and carry them all the way back? Does he say, do all the work for them because they're too weak? No. It says, lead them back to the right path. And what I understand from that is, and then from there, they can do their own walking. See, because whenever somebody is going through this stuckness, they're gonna have a tendency to wanna say, I need, I need, I need, you need to do this for me. But in reality, they have to get to the place where they're willing to do their own walking. He didn't tell us to carry them. He told us to help them back onto the right path. This is tough because there's a temptation to do everything for the person, to walk for them instead of just with them. But if we do that, we can rob them of the opportunity to truly own their recovery, their strength. This is so critical for them to do their own walking. Another challenging opportunity is helping someone to the path, resisting the temptation to to do the walking for them and, and taking that next step 
too often, we, we just want to do it for them, right? <clears throat> so there, there, there's an old saying that says, no matter how tall your father is, you still have to do your own growing. So no matter what somebody else in your life has gone through and has maybe even recovered from, it's still up to you to take those first steps. This is true here as well. We have to do our own growing no matter what anybody else has experienced. One way to tell whether you're doing too much for someone who's struggling is ask yourself, am I working harder than they are? Because if the answer to that is yes, then it's time to back off a little bit and let them take that step. Too often we wanna make that step for them, but it never works. If someone's not willing to take that first step, they're not willing to make that journey. So, the symbol that we use for taking that first step you got on the way in today, and that is this blue chip. And on it, it says a couple different things. It has a great scripture verse about his grace being sufficient for us, but it says the journey begins. I mean, we wanted every single person here today to, to be able to leave with one of these because we hope that today, for some of you, will be your first step. It'll be your first step in this journey. And you might say, hey, you're saying, Pastor John, I don't have any of those hurts, hangups and habits, you know, I, mean, I call that denial. But, you know, it, the, the reality is that some of us just aren't in that place where we're thinking, you know, I really need this. Well, I'm asking you to take it home on behalf of someone else. Maybe someone you're gonna be praying for. Maybe it's somebody, you don't even know their name yet, but you're praying for somebody to begin to take that step. Maybe it's a first step for you to saying, God, will you use me? Will you show me somebody who I can help? Somebody who gets this at CR, usually on the last Monday of every month, we celebrate how much time of sobriety and, and cleanness and all that kind of stuff, freedom that, that people have. And you can get one of these blue chips even if you don't even have 24 hours. If you tripped and fell and got stuck in the mud on the way to CR, you could still come into that room and say, I want to start this journey again. If you've tried a dozen times and tripped up each time, you could still come and say, I want to try again. Today, where do you need to take that first step? So here we are. Got our team, we're doing it with this heart of gentleness and humility, we're leading them to the right path. And then Paul says what? Hey, be careful. So he throws in this warning in the middle of saying, here, this is how to do to help people. He says, look out, watch your step. He says, be careful not to fall. Why would he say that? I mean, remember, we're the godly ones, Paul. You called us the godly ones, right? But he says, be careful that you don't fall. You might be thinking, hey, you know what? I, I, why do I need to be careful not to fall? Well, have you ever tried to pull someone out of the mud and gotten stuck yourself? Have you ever been like irrigating or anything and you've got the boots on and you step in some deep mud and while you're trying to get this boot out, this boot gets stuck? You know, it happens. And, um, and that sometimes happens in our life too. When we're trying expending ourselves and giving of ourselves, we wind up getting drained and maybe falling into um, the pit ourselves. Maybe it's the same pit or maybe it's the pit next door. 
My mom was once asked if she knew what it was like to be addicted to drugs. And if you know my mom, that's a pretty funny question to ask her. But her response was no, but I know what it's like to be stuck in legalism. And then she said, and bondage is bondage. So maybe it's not drugs and alcohol, or maybe it's not pornography or codependency, but what is that mud puddle that you're in danger of slipping into if you're not careful? Hurts, habits, and hangups come in all shapes and sizes. And we have to be careful when we're trying to help someone else to make sure we're not getting stuck in the same, at the same time. So this is the thing about, uh, we need to make the commitment number four is this, um, I will check myself. The only way I can help someone else is by checking myself first, making sure that I'm still walking on that right path, right? It's really hard to show someone the right way when we're lost too. People used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I wouldn't say that because it's dorky and old, but anyway, it's still true. Okay, this is, you guys ever been on an airplane? This is called the oxygen mask principle. What do they tell you? I know you're ignoring them when they're talking, trying to teach you how to use a seatbelt and, and how to, you know, what to do. You know, if the cabin pressure loses, uh, loses pressure, then what happens? The, the masks are gonna come down from the ceiling and what they leave out is, and you're gonna freak out because that's what's gonna happen. But then they say this, if there's a kid next to you, what are you supposed to do first? Put it on the kid, right? No, you're supposed to put it on yourself first so that you can still breathe while you're trying to wrestle it onto your kid, right? I just can picture like that exact thing happening. Like you're putting the mask on and you're trying to make your kid and they don't want it, right? Then that's what happens even in these scenarios. Sometimes the person we're trying to help doesn't want it. But we have to make sure we've got it on. We're taking those steps that we need to take to be healthy and free. And there's a mutual support that, that God kind of throws in here at the end of this that when, in Paul's writing. And it's found in the last part of that Galatians passage. And it's this, number five, I will give and receive support. There's a rhythm, rhythm in this that is about giving and receiving in the process of this. Now, we're, look at this. We're looking at the team. Carl's going to come up here real quick. And I wanted to ask him a few questions about his experience with CR because it's about supporting each other and walking through this together. So welcome, Carl. Would you give him a hand? Austin, I've got the red, I don't know where it is. On my right? I don't see it. This? That was a good hiding place. We're going to get through this together, Carl. All right. All right. All right. So why don't you introduce yourself and we'll ask you a couple questions, okay? Hello, everyone. I'm a faithful follower of Jesus and I'm in recovery for alcoholism. And my name is Carl. Hi, Carl. Awesome. You guys are getting so good. You'll even fit in on a Monday night. All right. 
So um, Carl, share with us real quick about who introduced you to recovery. So I came to New Life, um, and it had been my church for quite a while, and uh, I was introduced to Celebrate Recovery by the most wonderful counselor. And her name is Marilyn, mm -hmm. <laughs> sitting right here. Everybody's going to have to bear with me because uh, I, I'm not so much nervous speaking in front of a large crowd. It's when it comes to matters of the heart. And celebrate recovery is matters of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Carl. Yeah. So, somebody, so Marilyn introduced you. Um, what was it like for you the first time you walked into Celebrate Recovery. I won't, I won't deny that I wasn't nervous when I first walked in. Yeah. Um, but uh, surprisingly, I knew quite a few people that were in CR that I never knew. Um, but the thing was, is I was really welcomed by so many people there. On my very first day, hey, good to see you. Hey, good to see you. You know, looking forward to seeing you next week. And... Uh, it just was easy. Yeah. It was easy to come back, put it that way. Wow, good, good. So, so you went once, you came back again. What was it that, was there anything that kind of made you go, this is something that I, I think I'm going to stick with? So CR is a faith-based program. And I've always had a very strong faith in our Lord Jesus. And I knew that that, that would be something... Um, that would appeal to me, and it has. It's, ch it's changed my life, you know, for the better. Um, and you will find the most honest, uh, loyal, God-fearing people there are at CR. The, the, the most non-judgmental people that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's so vital. And, and, uh, and it's really, really kind of just an extension of, of what happens on here on Sundays too, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what would you say to maybe the person out there who's, who's wrestling with some, some hurts, hang, hang ups or, or, you know, um, habits or maybe someone in their, in their family or circle struggling? You know, I, I I, I, I tell people all the time, and the key is when you're ready, and ready is the key word. When you're ready, give CR a try. I mean, like I said, you'll, for one thing, I know a lot of people that actually come to CR just for the worship. If you saw what, like today, the worship was this morning, magnify that three times is what a typical Monday night at CR is. It's people, it's just fantastic worship. I've never seen, we're, we're very, very fortunate in this church is that you have the most talented people in the world up here performing and worship. And it's no different at CR. Um, I tell people, come give it a try. I mean, with CR, you will see people from all walks of life, but we all have the common denominator. 
You know, we all have to be there to work on our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Yeah. And, and just come give it a try, and, and you'll see it can transform your life. All right. All right. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, I appreciate it. Give me a hand. Thanks, bud. I promise we didn't pay him to say any of that. Maybe the worship team did. I'm not sure. We're going to close out our service today um, with the Lord's Supper together. So um, let me ask you to stand with me, okay? And you can take your weird hourglass looking cup and just kind of peel off the part that has the wafer in it just to be ready. In Colossians, Paul writes, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he said, this is, this is my body that is broken for you. And as often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat body of Christ together. Next, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for the remission, the removal of sin, the payment for all of our mistakes, all of the thoughts or things that we didn't do that God wanted us to do, all of that is tied up and taken to the cross with Jesus. And he said, as often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me, of that sacrifice that washed us clean. Let's take and drink together. Jesus, today, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. God, we thank you for your body that was broken for our healing, for our wholeness. God, we want to be a part of your mission, Lord, to seek and to save those who are lost, to be part of the rescue team, to show people freedom, where they can find freedom and wholeness and healing where they can be restored because of your love and your grace and mercy. And Lord Jesus, we pray in response to Psalm 23, and we thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you for giving us all that we need and for letting us rest in green meadows, for leading us beside peaceful streams. Lord, we ask that you renew our strength and guide us along the right paths. And that through it all, your name will be honored. Jesus, we ask you to help us not to be afraid, even when we're walking through the darkest valley, because we know you are close beside us, protecting, comforting us with your rod and staff. Dear God, we thank you for preparing a feast for us, even with enemies approaching. 
and for taking it a step further, allowing us to be honored by anointing our heads with oil. The blessings you bring are, are more than we can contain, and we praise you for your goodness and unfailing love that you sent after us in a lifelong pursuit. And finally, Lord, we say yes to your invitation to live in your house forever. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Have an awesome week. You're all invited tomorrow night, 5.30 for dinner, if you'd like to be a part of it and just even come and check out CR. All right. God bless. Have a great week.